0: and read my latest articles, or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World Podcast. Every industry has its unique challenges and opportunities in delivering great customer experience. Today we're going to talk about customer experience in retail. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Erica James, Global Head of Retail Practice at Medallia. Erica, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me, Greg. Yeah,
0: looking forward to talking with you. Uh, so why don't we why don't we start by give us a little background on yourself and as well as what you do at Medallion?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so interesting background. I actually started out my career post-undergrad in public health. Um, very different from where I am today in retail and customer experience. Um, but interestingly enough, I had an opportunity through some real strong mentorship and some opportunistic moments to find myself in a role focused on consumer insights and market research in that space. Um, that led me to thinking, okay, let's try out potentially marketing as a as next play. Uh, went to Thunderbird School of Global Management to get my MBA. And after an internship uh, in brand management that summer with Nestle, I realized, you know, there's there's an element of marketing and branding that I really like, and it this ne- isn't necessarily the you know colors that you're putting on packaging, uh, or the words that you're using, but it's more the feeling that someone gets when they interact with a brand, right? Like operationally, when they engage with a brand, what do they feel? How do they, um, how do they feel when they've left that experience, if you will? And so that insight, coupled with someone um, sharing medallia with me again also kind of an opportunistic share i found my way to silicon valley and i've been with medallia it'll be eight years um pretty soon
0: nice nice well yeah i um i share a little bit of that marketing to let's call it marketing to cx track as well so i think Mm -hmm. i think that's a I, i i think that's a natural one to kind of um, nothing against marketing, nothing against branding, no, not uh, at all. of course. But <laughs> but um it's uh, it's a way of kind of peeling back the the onion a little to get into that that what you you know what you mentioned as, as the experience. So which actually is a nice segue to um to kind of talk about what you're focused on now and in the sure. in the retail industry. And so let's you know, let's talk about some of those unique challenges in that industry. Um what do you see as you know what what unique challenges are being posed in delivering great customer experience to customers in retail?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. I um, I spent around seven years working with customers day in and day out in retail, and so hearing from them directly what was on their mind. Now the role that I'm in, I'm actually being kind of sourced in aggregate topics and themes that all of our retail customers are asking to get some thought leadership on, some guidance on, and dialogue with their peers around and I think there's there's kind of three that seem to rise to the top. Um, I think that while omnichannel was a thing pre-pandemic, the pandemic accelerated this idea of needing to maneuver cross-channel interactions in a way that you do leave your customer with the same consistent brand experience, even though you're realizing it differently, right? whether that be curbside pickup, same-day delivery to home, or an experience in the store. It feels like you know, the, the intention is there to deliver that smoothly, but some of the building blocks and the operation that sits behind delivering those cross-channel interactions is still a bit delayed. Um, and I think you know breaking that down a bit further in, into the second theme that I'm hearing is digital right? has needed to play a bigger role than it ever has before. Um, I won't. I obviously I will say digital transformation, but then I'll leave it there. I know that term is overused. Um, but the reason I bring it up as a challenge in retail is digital has a big learning experience, not just for the organization, right? How are we going to deliver digital, touchless, contactless experiences? But it's a new frontier for employees, particularly those ones at the front line, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've experienced this, Greg, but going into, let's say, a physical retail location, having to engage with some new type of tech software that's in the store, whether that be a kiosk, a new way of checking out, or using an iPad to place your order, there's nothing more frustrating when you feel like that employee also doesn't understand, right? Right. (laughs) How to use that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so... It's unfortunate because, again, I think that, you know, those employees understand that that's the new operating rhythm. But without the proper training, um, that good intention of providing a frictionless experience via some type of a digital medium falls down. Um, and then everyone gets frustrated, both the employee and and the customer. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um,
1: and. Yeah. Oh, go ahead.
0: No, no, please. <laughs>
1: Um, On that last front, I mean, I think the third thing that to me, you know, cross-channel interactions, digital then really still proving to be sticky and an area of friction for many. Um, You've got this then employee at the end of all this, right? We're asking them to... Put themselves, you in, know, in the, in the middle of the pandemic, in danger, right? Potentially from a public health standpoint. Um, you're asking them to, in many cases, on a dime, do things that they've been doing via a checklist for many years, completely differently, with no resources or training. Um, and while I do feel like some brands do this uniquely well, I think sometimes we forget to recognize those folks at the front line, um, you know, checking people out at Walmart or helping people down the aisles at CVS, uh, they have long days. They're dealing with a lot of new, um, it's really important to make sure that we're rewarding them and recognizing them for what they're, what they're delivering.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I do want to get into that, the, the employee experience customer experience, um, thread Mm -hmm. in a, in a minute here, but one, one thing before we get there though, um, I think a lot of particularly the first two things that you mentioned but really all of it um, do you, do you think it's been accelerated or at least the need has been accelerated by uh, you know by the pandemic by lockdowns by by all those things and I guess the the follow-up question to that would be has success in in retail customer experience, there's some obvious things that we probably can all agree on our our success metrics, but you know, has has success and the way that it's been measured shifted as of late.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I think the pandemic accelerated things. Although, what was interesting is um, in in thinking about a few brands in particular. Um, Starbucks being one of them, Starbucks at the end of 2019 was actually looking to start to shift some of their physical locations from being full cafes, right? So large environments with lots of people, something that's not a no-go during pandemic world, um, to more quick pick up, pick up and go mobile order based because they were seeing most of their they were seeing a very large amount of their transactions coming from mobile orders. So they figured let's decrease footprint and sort of make this the purpose of this physical location, mobile pickup. Um, they were going there. And then January or February 2020 came, and they just pushed the gas and really started to roll out many more locations, I think, than they had originally intended in that format because they, they knew that was where we needed to go, but they needed to go there more quickly, right? Yeah. Um, so some brands, I think, got there easier than others. Um, many are still in catch-up mode.
0: I think the one one phenomenon and Starbucks, just personally and anecdotally, I was one of those people that I don't know why, but I would always stand in line no matter what. I would never do mobile pickup, even though it it's existed for a long time. The pandemic changed that, and I don't. I'm not going back. Like now, now that I've done it, it I think it's a as a broader conversation. It the the pandemic has been going on long enough that we're as humans forming long-term habits right so Mm -hmm. i think that's what and i've seen this in many many different realms but i mean to make it specific here you know you do something for three days or even a week or two and it's really really easy to go back i mean think about new year's resolutions like it's really Mm -hmm. easy to go back after a couple weeks and be like oh man i was going to exercise every morning and now You know whatever life life gets in the way you start doing something the same way for six to eight months those Mm -hmm. are habits that are now long formed and and yeah you know some people might might go back but these are things that are now ingrained in us and i think you know to to your point there consumers are you know, they, they've done, they've been forced in some cases to do things a certain way. Why would they go back? I, again, I can use my example of, of Starbucks mobile ordering as, as one of them, but it just makes too much sense to do it. And I've done it too many times to even consider why, you know, doing it again. So I, I, I do think it's uh, not only accelerated, but consumers have done it long enough that uh, there, there is no going back to, to normal in some of those cases.
1: Perfect kind of reaction there to sort of pivot back to success in retail today. I mean, I think there's some fundamentally things that will always stay the same. Um, But what you're saying, right, is you have a new need for convenience in a way that perhaps you didn't have before. Um, And so, you know, if I step back from saying sort of defining success from a metric standpoint, but more of a feeling, something that I've seen based on some research that we've done at Medallia as well as just sort of out there in the space is um, there's this interesting pivot from uh, you know an experience in retail being easy as something that a customer wants and feels is, and is good and defines as successful versus an experience that is convenient, right? Um, Sure, we want to make things easy and in many cases they do go hand in hand, but when we actually have looked at it closely, breaking down, actually looking at verbatims from customers in in with the retail brands we work with, it's this convenience factor of I'm able to get something in the moment where I want it, how I want it. Maybe I had to have actually a couple more clicks to get there, back to that ease comment, whereas before that might have annoyed someone. But now it's more like I'll do more clicks, but I need you to give this in, like, to me in the way I absolutely need it in the in the, at this point in time. Yeah. Um, so you know that that I think is those that are winning are making it convenient. Obviously, those that continue to win do have consistency as sort of a. A word that is a mantra that they make sure that they're upholding. You know, if you're experiencing something in the store, you should have that same feeling, for lack of a better word, online. Um, and you know, while I think that personalization is still incredibly important, I mean, it gets back to a little bit of what I was saying. Like in this channel, at this moment in time, how I want it. I think it does look a little bit different than before. I think. Definitely in retail, particularly in some of the segments where I work closely, um, apparel and luxury retail, personalization pre-pandemic was extremely high-touch, definitely in person. Um, Now, you know, they're having to bring some of those high-touch experiences online in 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 an environment on the terms of the customer that they feel more comfortable with. Um, versus what it looked like before. So I will never say personalization is not sort of a key element to success in retail. It absolutely is. But I think it looks a little bit different today.
0: And so to to kind of talk more uh, about measurement. So, you know, Net Promoter Score, NPS, there's there's other, you know, CSAT, there's other types of measurements like that that are still used. Uh, there's They, they serve a, a good role in, in measuring things, particularly... I believe, at least as a relative measure over time. But, you know, there's there's other things as far as real time measurement and other types of ways to, to meaningfully measure. What are some of the things that you're recommending to, to customers to think about and, and how to think about measurement that go beyond the uh, the survey and, you know, kind of the after the fact um, questions?
1: I'll break that down into in a couple things I think all the metrics you mentioned you know still definitely live on today and play a role I would say one metric that continues to gain momentum based on what we were chatting about earlier is feedback on an employee as a part of an, um, of a retail or any customer experience really where, where there's an employee brands are wanting to understand from a metric standpoint what the level of satisfaction um, was or likelihood to recommend an individual to work with. Um, so that, that certainly is different. Yeah. Um, in terms of stepping back from the survey itself as a you know means of measuring, I mean, we're definitely seeing folks in retail uh, get on the bandwagon with leveraging social feedback in a way that they hadn't before. Um, you probably know very well, I think that the hospitality brands were really the Um, leaders in that space for quite some time using social feedback, right, for their properties. Um, We're seeing that now with more retailers bringing their business and their interactions with associates online. So trying to have, you know, in some cases creating a social metric score in other ways, using things like, um, sentiment analysis, right, over text, whether that be coming from a survey or whether that be coming from um, unsolicited feedback in the social space, to make a call of, okay, here's the number, right, here's the NP, here's the LTR, or here's the OSAT, but what sits behind that number is this degree of sentiment on these words and these phrases. Um, I feel like the Analysis of text is exploding these days. Yeah. Um, brands that are going to win are going to get it right. Others are going to be overwhelmed with thousands of verbatims and not know how to do anything with them. But that's where you actually find the action-oriented steps to make a change, versus just a score.
0: One more thing specific to uh, to, to retail here: um, What are you seeing? You know, what should what should Retailers that want to be forward-thinking, be keeping in mind. What are you kind of seeing on the the front lines of the the industry, and, and really as a as an industry leader, what are you know what is what is Medallia recommending? What are you seeing?
1: First and foremost, you know, there's been, and I would say this was happening before the pandemic began, but definitely since we've been in a slightly distant, more virtual world, I think that retailers who are going to win are going to look around and get creative and perhaps uncomfortable with some technology that might have been more forward thinking or used in another industry, let's say maybe financial services, um, but bringing that into retail. So some of the things I'm thinking about specifically are using AI, machine learning, speech in some cases, even video in a way that traditionally I don't think retailers were using. Um, For example, you know, getting frontline employees video feedback from their customers to really help them understand how they could have improved an experience and feel like that feedback was meant for them individually. Like we're seeing people do that. And I think that that embracing of your tech stack, but also making sure that you're using it, you know, in, in, in the way that is the most impactful to the organization and to individuals they're in is going to be, you know, one differentiator Um I think too, and you know, this is this is something that we've been seeing for the past couple of years. But I think more so important even now is let's not say that the store is dead. The store is not dead. There's reasons right, right, that people yeah. need to, right? I mean, you know, you're you're still going to Starbucks to get your coffee. You're right. just having a different interaction, right? Um, and so. You know, while while a couple years ago it was thinking about experiential, you know, store environments where maybe you would have a lot of people in there. Well, maybe that looks a little bit different now, but still, it's what is the experience you're giving in, in the store versus on the phone versus on a website? Um, how to think through that and maximize your footprint where you have it because it still has a role. It's it's not um, it's not obsolete. Um, And, you know, I'm probably beating a dead horse here, but in retail, I just feel like those that are really going to continue to thrive, survive and thrive rather, will be the ones that look at their employees in a much different way than before. Not as people who file checklists and stack shelves, but as people who actually help innovate um, as well as like be responsible for that ultimate like last mile experience.
0: Yeah. And that's I think that's a that's a great segue to kind of bring us back to this this employee experience and and customer experience relationship. And, you know, I've certainly Mm -hmm. I've written a a bunch about it. I I talk about it with um, with anyone who will who will have the conversation Mm -hmm. with me, Um, because I do think it's, you know, it's one of those things where not everything about them are directly, causally, you know, related to one another. And yet there is such a direct relationship. Um, and so that that statement might have even been a paradox. But I think, you know, what I'm saying is, yeah. is they're 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 very much related. Um, so, you know, in an industry like like retail, you know, you mentioned the frontline employees. I mean, my, from my perspective, that's um, that's definitely I think it's the it's a straightforward. The frontline employees are straightforward ones to to measure if any of this is is straightforward Um, I think the people behind the scenes that don't see themselves as part of the customer experience are also a big challenge. I mean, you know, if we're talking retail, I mean the, the people that are writing the code of the e-commerce platform, if they don't understand the customer that they're, you know, selling products to, we've got a problem as well. You know, so in other words, a company wins when everybody can, can draw, even if it takes a little bit of a stretch, a company wins when it can, when everybody can draw a line between them and the customer in in some way. How do you, you know, from, from where you sit and and where you work with organizations, how do you help, how do you help companies draw that line between CX and EX knowing all of the, you know, some of the stuff falls to HR, some of it falls to IT, some of it falls to marketing, to, you know, sales to, you know, all, all of the above, like how do, how do you work and, and, you know, just kind of explain that to, to customers in a way that's meaningful.
1: It's a conversation that's happening more frequently for sure. And I think it's a conversation that some are open hearing very much so and, want, and are ready to dig in. Right. Others will give you the head nod. Yes. It's I get the connection, right. Yeah. Um, but we'll deal with that later. I think, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, here's what I'm seeing. Uh, I feel as though as we go into 2022, customer experience is ever more so now truly on the boardroom agenda like it hadn't been um, because of, I think, the way we needed to pivot over the last 18, 20 months. I think what's interesting is that we're also seeing now others in the organization outside of HR realize, oh, you know we're asking employees to do a lot here. We're burning them out. Or we're not happy with what we're getting back from customers in terms of feedback. And it's related to employees and their training or their understanding or their empathy. We know whatever it may be. And so I think what's changing is that people outside of some of the traditional leadership silos or the silos of HR and leaders beyond HR are realizing, oh, this is a thing. Like we're hearing about employees and customer feedback even more so. We're hearing grumblings therein. The great resignation. People are leaving. Um, there's a connection here, and it's not just going to be solved by doing an annual engagement survey <laughs> and hoping that we figure it out. It, it's going to actually be a continuous pulse of employees throughout the year on things that matter to them, but things that are also directly linked to what you're asking them to do in service of the customer. Um, And so I think that for the first time, leaders outside of HR are seeing, oh, this is something that is truly connected. And until we solve both, we're gonna continue to see these friction points pop up in different areas where it's, an employee has fallen down, is unhappy, is struggling, and as a direct result, customers at an individual level. And then soon at aggregate are also going to be having those same experiences.
0: Yeah. And I like that. And I think, you know, in a way from, from the employees perspective, it's a nice, it's actually a nice thing to think that they're getting support from different aspects. Right. So like (laughs) HR, um, you know, HR gets a bad rap, and and so, but yeah. I'll I'll use a I'll use a generalization here that isn't is not always true. But you know, HR is often focused on compliance and and risk mitigation, and those things are very very important. But they're not the only thing, obviously, when when dealing with employees. But you know, for customer experience to all of a sudden value employees, whether they're frontline again or or somewhere you know somewhere in the middle or behind the scenes or whatever. Um, all of a sudden you've got advocates for employees all over the organization, as opposed Mm -hmm. to, oh man, I'm going to just go complain to HR and hope that, you know, hope that something happens now, all of a sudden, you know, employees are being valued in the way that they admittedly always should have been valued. But I, I, you know, I see this as, in other words, as an opportunity, right. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I think measurement, measurement needs to, provide a way to tie the, to tie employee experience to customer experience. And ultimately, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's sales and and it's revenue and and things like that, that there's got to be a line to it. But I think when, when an organization can do that, I think everybody's going to win.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, we even see it, we see some of our customers getting real granular, right? So leveraging pulse feedback of employees at different points in their journey. Let's just use onboarding as an example, right? So someone who's new, being able to understand how those new employees are experiencing onboarding and then match that experience data up with the customers that they've interacted with. (laughs) (laughs) To see if the customers are also feeling like, you know, hey, using your name as an example, you know, Greg seemed really confused. Didn't really understand what's going on. I well, often
0: am for what it's worth.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's, if you start to see a pattern of that, you're not only going to get ahead of potentially like um, an attrition issue where people are feeling uncomfortable in their jobs. They don't know. They're, they're also seeing that customer feedback by the way, and seeing that they're not hitting the, you know, the mark. Um, so you get ahead of attrition. And then, of course, you also get ahead of a broader issue where if you're continuing to onboard people in this way or do lack thereof onboarding, you're going to have this um, detractor experience from a customer um, point of view as well.
0: Well, um, one one last question before we wrap up here uh, mm-hmm. to kind of go back to the very first thing we talked about in in your experience as well. You know. What I've seen, and this is particularly, I would say, in the smaller and, and mid-sized organizations, but I, I think it applies to to many. Um, this idea of branding, marketing, CX, all of this kind of gets conflated. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd love to hear from your perspective on, especially, you know, you've you've been in in those in those roles and as distinct roles as well how do you see the relationship as well as what makes them distinct? And, you know, how would, how would you describe that to somebody?
1: That's an interesting one. Um, and I'm sure it's one that everybody has their own sort of spin on and spin, we know is big in marketing. So, um,
0: (laughs) that's the marketing part of it. Yeah. (laughs) that's The marketing
1: part of it. Yes. So here's the way I would think about this. And I think that if you'd asked me this question seven or eight years ago, I would have answered it differently. Um, An experience to me should essentially uphold the brand promise that you're marketing, right? So a brand is the promise, the commitment, the thing that you're saying that you represent, um, that you stand for marketing, and again, feel free to disagree here. I'm sure others listening might have a different point of view, but marketing to me is the the promotion of that brand message, right? The putting it out there in the right places to the right people at the right time where the rubber meets the road is the experience, right? That someone actually has, you've told me you're committed to delivering this. You've told me in this channel or in this way that you're going to do that. But if I ultimately come into, let's say in a retail example, um, I come in to pick up my items curbside, and uh, the employees are saying, curbside? We don't have that at the store. (laughs) I mean, you've just lost me, right? The brand means nothing. The marketing is now just noise. Uh, The experience, the operationalization of the brand promise that you're marketing is that experience, right? Right um and it's not an easy one i realize to deliver on at scale um you know time and time again but that i think is truly what matters
0: yeah no i I love it and i think it is um i I think it is also important to make sure that everyone kind of focuses on like everyone should be everyone should be concerned and and want to make a great customer experience but it's actually really, really important that branding people do really well on branding and marketing mm-hmm. on marketing and, and so on and so forth. And so, I think when when these things get kind of too related and you don't have distinct practices, again, it's like a, mar- a marketing person needs to understand sales inside and out, and they should understand operations of the company. And you know, everyone should really understand you know everything to a degree of how a business runs, but. If you don't have people really focused on these areas you're gonna have you know you're gonna have something that sounds kind of nice so for so a branding or marketing perspective and you're gonna have an experience that maybe matches up but you're not gonna have anything great right so i Mm -hmm. i I like your i like your definition
1: yeah and just to quickly riff on that for a second i think the chain that you just sort of described there, both the overlap that needs to happen between those teams, but also the mutually or the, the, the specific responsibilities they're in. I think that's where in this space in an organization, brand, marketing, operations, experience, there needs to be that feedback loop actually. Yeah. Around customer experience, back to brand marketers and campaigns, right? Because they need to understand how is that actually being—is it being operationalized the way in which they intended? And if not, where's the disconnect? And kind of how do you jointly solve for that? Even in if you are in kind of unique
0: roles. Yeah, and and do the customers even like the the brand that's trying to be presented? You know, when mm-hmm. when the brand is experienced is it actually what the customer wants as opposed to, you know, what the agency came up with or, you know, or stuff like that. So yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great. Um, Well, Erica, thanks so much for joining. Um, For those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with uh, what you're doing?
1: Yeah, definitely LinkedIn. I'm, I'm not into tweeting. (laughs) So find me on LinkedIn and I'm happy to be, um, I'm happy to share kind of some of the stuff I'm working on at Medallia and elsewhere from that space. So I look forward to connecting with folks on that platform.
0: Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Erica James, global head of retail practice at Medallia for joining the show. Thanks again for listening to the Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile World podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.